Hi, and welcome to the Peak Endurance Podcast. My name is Isabel Ross, and I'm the coach at Peak Endurance Coaching. Today's podcast is the third of our coaching rowing table conversations. Each of us, Daniel, Ashley, and I, <clears throat> came to the table with a question to pose to the group. The questions we discuss this time are, what are the purpose of macro, micro, and meso cycles in your training season? How do we plan for recovery after an A race? And how do we train mental toughness, and can we even do so? I hope you enjoy the discussion. Welcome, everybody, to the Coaches Roundtable, which is a combination of uh, three separate coaches and effectively three separate podcasts, which I'm not going to name all the podcasts right now because I probably won't get them right. So, But we've got uh, <laughs> Isabel, Daniel, and myself, Ashley, uh, and we've got some topics to cover today. So uh, I'll introduce my topic, um, which is what's the point of macro, meso, and micro cycles in training? So just the basics of, of what that means for those people who are new to training cycles um, mm-hmm. and what it, what it means for you. It kind of ties in with um, our other two coaches' comments which uh, or questions. So let's, let's, uh, let's go to you, Isabel. Okay, so my question is, is what do we plan for as recovery between our A races or after an A race and before starting the next cycle of training? Very good. Excellent. Uh, my question is, um, do you actively train your mental fitness or mental toughness, I should say? And if so, how do you do it? I'm looking forward mm. to hearing what you do for that one because I, I'm going to say that I do, but I don't. Mm. Yeah. Okay, we, that's a good well, answer. With, with all of these questions, I suppose we take a bit of our running experience as coupled with a bit of our coaching experience. Plus, it, I mean, because there's, there's science behind all of these, and um, but I think it's okay. I think I, for myself, I'm partially going to be sharing opinion. And um, but and with mixed in with some of the fact as well because I, you know, I don't want to be one of those podcasts. I'm not expressing my opinion as fact. Does that make yeah. sense? Because that's the yeah. one thing that bothers me when people do that. And so there'll be I'll be very clear about when it's my opinion and when it's my fa- when it's a fact. And it's very Excellent. hard not to have an opinion on on mm. on anything anyway. So that's always going to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So where should we dive? Go diving into Ashley's question first, shall we? Sounds good. Yeah, that pretty much because uh, what you guys want to cover it, it fits into a macro, meso, and a micro cycle. Um, exactly. So I think that that's probably a good place to start. So I'll, I'll just quickly cover um, the, the way it works. And good idea. I'll also cover um, what I used to do when I got a new athlete, um, which I actually worked bigger than a macro cycle. So... A macro cycle is uh, like your season plan or your year plan. Um, but when I used to get an athlete, um, because at one point I was working with athletes who were aiming for uh, either Worlds or – they were aiming for international, um, ultimately aiming for going to the Olympics. So um, we would work in Olympic cycles, macro cycles, meso cycles, oh, yeah. and yeah. micro cycles. Um 
So, but it basically in running, a lot of people will just work in macro cycle, which is, you know, your year plan as a whole. So kind of, you might list out what you're going to do as your, your races. And Sign up to all you... the races at the start of the year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and then regret it later. I think that that's how most people seem to come to a coach. They've signed up for a race and they go, uh oh. Hang on, I might yep. need a coach to get me there. Or they'll do their first race. They'll teach themselves. They'll do their first race and then go, ooh, if I want to get better, I might need a coach. So now I need to, I want to do that race again. Yeah, and, and do it and well. They, and they want a year yeah. out. So, um, yeah, so that, that's a macro cycle. Now, meso cycle, uh, depending on the coach, um, it's broken up into blocks. So you might be yeah. working on endurance in one phase and speed in another phase. And those phases might be four to six to eight weeks long. I don't yeah. know. If, have you guys worked in longer meso cycles than that? No, not generally. No. Sure. I, no. I would generally do it a little bit shorter. So, yeah. Um, you yeah. know, probably um, four weeks. It, it sort of, I like to. I guess that's putting in, so maybe like a recovery week of sorts at the end of each meso cycle. So, but I also uh, I also do a bit of a blend in the in, in the transitioning. Yeah. Oh yeah, cycles. so we can't. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Yes, I totally get what you're saying there, and I do that from a. I do, I do do that, but not all the time. Can you? Explain? Yeah, not all the time, but sometimes it, it can be. Also, just yeah. to keep the interest up and that sort of stuff. Can you sort of go into a bit more depth? Just I'm just playing um, devil's advocate here. So when you say you do a bit of a blend. Well, like if I've been doing um, <clears throat> a lot of VO2 work and I'm wanting to get them into um, some more tempo runs, I'll still maybe do some VO2 work as well, like for uh, one yes. session of the week, you Absolutely, know. Absolutely, yeah. And then, and then as they get, you know, and then I might, end up doing, say, two tempo runs a week. But before that, I'll do, spend some time working on both. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, it's good. And I've always thought, like, a little bit of everything should be mm. in every cycle. Um, yes. So you should always have some form of speed work or some degree yes. of speed work in every cycle, some degree of endurance work in every cycle. And yep. then depending on where it's, you are... Is whether, what What's the focus? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like I like a little bit. I I haven't covered micro cycles. So micro cycles basically generally a week, um, yeah. except yes. for if you're at, at an institute of sport or something like that, where they might work on an eight or a four day cycle. Um, yeah. Because you're no longer caring about Saturday and Sunday and having to line up your long run on a weekend. Um, so, but that's that's getting outside yeah, the of the scope person, of this yeah, one. For the average yeah. person, it's a week. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I would, if I'm planning out someone's running, the only time that I don't put everything into a week as such, just to make it exciting, is uh, in the recovery week. Yeah. Um, I won't put yeah. in, I won't put in hills, for example, or um, mountain climbing or, uh, not or too much speed intensity. work. Yeah, yeah like, no. into I'm, a recovery I might, week. I might still have mm. a little bit of the um of speed work, you know. When, and when I'm talking speed, I'm talking right. um true speed, as in short sprints. Like I might, what, I would like still strides in or something. Week. Yeah, I would still yeah. have that. Yeah, it's good. Why? I mean, like I would do that for um, I guess um, 
Well, it tell me why, why, why you would do it. The ranch as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I always find um, people are really, I think, and this will feed into your question a bit, Isabel, but um, yep. in that cycle, sort of the recovery cycle, coming out of a, ra- a big race or something, um, by there's people, there's a real paranoia that you're going to lose fitness. Yes. In recovery yep. And Even, which is why I wanted to put that question in to try to alleviate people's paranoia about that. <clears throat> Yeah, good. We'll just put that, we'll shelve that part of the conversation. Yeah. We'll come back to it. But Because I think it's something that I, I, I'm constantly having to, it's like talking yes. runners back from the ledge. I you know, know. You know, like you're going to get injured if you keep doing it this way. If yeah. you if you jump back in too soon, you're going to you're gonna break something. Right, well, let, like you said, let's shelve it for now. And <laughs> yeah. So, but, um, so, Ash, what, so, let's, so now that you've defined the three areas of a, of, of periodization, essentially. Um, yeah. What did you? So, in what way do you wanted to focus on it? Like, what's the point of it? Is that what you, you're getting at? Or yeah, I was I was getting at what's the what's the point of it? Why do we do periodization? Um, and and this really came about from a discussion that I was having online that then ended up in an argument. Uh, with somebody who I didn't know online until I found out that they well, that were an never exercise. happens online. No, I know. No, that's very unusual. <laughs> until I found out um, after the conversation where I went to the mediator on this particular coaching group to say, who is this guy? Like, he is being a little bit abrasive. And um, they go, oh, he's an exercise physiologist. And then I've gone, oh, he's stuck on a, a technical definition. Which he was, and, and and it all got sorted out in the end. But um, what we were discussing okay. is um, the particular ways of working out efficiency. Um, and before that, it was a conversation going into how do you become more efficient. Uh, and the technicality that we got stuck on was, uh, no, I don't own a... Um, mobile VO2 unit and therefore I can't use the word efficiency without saying feels like efficiency. So uh, I learnt that in my discussion. So I now will use the word feels like, which is opinion rather than fact. Yep, good to to clarify. You can't get in trouble then. That's correct. So, uh, yeah, so it was good. Um, We both had our points and um, the conversation ended up being a good one at the end of the day. But uh, it was really, it came down to should all of your training sessions be fast or should all of your training sessions be slow? And it was really uh, beginner runners have a tendency to go out and run Mm -hmm. every single training session exactly the same. Hence uh, leading to the black hole of of running because you, you, you get nothing out of it. You know, yes. it achieves nothing. Correct. Yeah. So every so they they head out and they head out at whatever their comfortable pace is. Yeah. And usually their comfortable pace is either not fast enough or yes. not slow enough. That that yep. that place where you're comfortably running is probably where you should be doing an ultra distance race at that speed. Yep. But yep. for training, you either want to be running. You want to be running a particular way to get a particular stress, to get a particular adaptation. And in a so, and, and what you're saying is every run should have a purpose in mind. 
Absolutely. Every run Absolutely. should have a purpose in mind. And you should know what that purpose is in advance. And if, if you're... Exactly. If whoever's helping you, I'm not going to use the word coach, but if whoever's helping you can't explain exactly what the purpose is for that run, you should do your own research or get someone else to help you to explain exactly what you're trying mm. to achieve in that run. And so... Well, if, Basically, if the person who's helping you can explain it, that would give me serious doubts about the help they're giving you. Yes. I, I totally agree. I'm just trying to be diplomatic. Yeah. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, you do want – the first people you're going to ask for help from probably isn't a coach. It's probably the guy you just you know went for a run with who True. might be a little bit more experienced than you. And I, and I, yeah. at the at the end of the day, they're helping you, they're motivating you, and I don't want to take anything away from them because they've got you into running, and that's brilliant. Mm. After that, if they can't explain every single step, then look for the coach at that point in time, or look for someone more qualified. Um, Absolutely. And so then it I... comes down to how do you guys do a year plan, which is basically a season plan. Um, do you ask your athletes for uh, races? For example, uh, in the last week, I've been asked to prepare someone for a race in 2022. So okay. that's that's a long way out. However, mm. they need to uh, travel internationally quite a bit to even qualify for this race. They need to do three 100-milers qualifying races to get into the selection pool to get into the race. Um, plus, they have to crew in that particular race beforehand to be even allowed to try and enter. Uh, so it's Sounds just like getting into the race. Yeah, it's yeah. a very expensive exercise. It's a very complicated one. Mm. Um, and, yeah, so it's, it's you know, that's, that's no well, longer... Well, basically... I mean, I'm, uh, I'm sure we're all pretty much the same, is that you would be focusing on an A race. And, and when we're talking 100 milers, I mean, you can't do you – could, I mean, I would suggest two as a maximum as A races for a year. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then your training would, would be geared towards that one and specifically looking at, you know, the course, the profile, the terrain, all sorts of different things um, – to plan the training for that. And within that training cycle, you would have shorter races as well. Yeah. But they would be A races. But here's yeah. the problem. I'm sorry, there's you, so much that you covered there, Ashley, and I almost don't know where to go, where to start. No, that's just, the problem. It yeah. is a lot to cover, yeah. you know, and I didn't want to over yeah. do Which this. is why I thought I'd look at it a bit more simply in that way, is that, you know, you, you've got, your race, and that's like your your macro cycle. One one of those races, because essentially most people, your your person's a bit different, but most people will have you know that one race that they're focusing on, and so the whole training cycle will be geared towards that. That's yeah. the usual situation. Your situation is quite unusual. I would I would suggest. That, that yeah, you good, don't I mean, normally get that, people requesting that sort of thing. Yeah, that kind of athlete that showing that they're looking so far in advance. I mean, that's awesome, I think, that mm. they're looking in, in advance and they're prepared to look that far in advance. And so you do need a plan, I think, going forward for something like that. You can't just wing it. Yes. Um, and so that's where, 
they've got you've got you can really look at you've basically got two macro cycles you can look at it like that between now yeah. and then you know so it's two years so in that period of time you go okay what race is you going to work on so what areas you, you need like things like building proper endurance you know it takes years so mm. two like so so two years is a good amount of time to really develop their endurance properly and I do think but I, but I would assume that that person has been doing a fair bit of running already for them to be thinking about such an event of course yeah but I mean it's like so um, you, you yeah so then you go into the specifics of the race as you say like and so but, and that's where I probably would bring the conversation back to thinking about like we get into our um our meso cycles and so you go okay we've got a, this small block you know the or even like you know the a four week block eight week block where we're going to be working where as we get closer to a race working on your hill climbing ability getting more into the t- the technical stuff of technical trails and so like i like to periodize that those aspects of training as well so really but if you're if you've got a, a client <clears throat> who's got a hilly race so you would only are you saying that you would only focus on hills for four weeks? You no, wouldn't. no, no. Mm. I, that's I mean, what I mean. And that's why I'm talking about yeah. the blending of the cycles a bit because you're going to want to keep that person still working on hills even though the focus might be yeah, on I would something else at that time. Scatter it out. And as they got closer, mm. like in the, so in the few months leading up, you know, you would, mm. you would incorporate more, more, more and more hills. Yeah. And even down mm. to the point, like, are all the hills jammed in the back half of the race? Or are That's they all right. early yeah, half of the race? Yeah, you want to replicate the profile. Yeah. So, um, because at the end of the day, you know, like, as Ashley said about the guy who might have got you into, this guy into running, if a person is running and they might be running too fast too often, they're going to make gains early on. Everyone makes... Oh, definitely, every, yeah. If someone yeah, starts make running... make big gains early on. Yeah, and yeah. they plateau quicker though, but we want to maximise their fitness. And, and possibly and burn out. Yes, that's the problem. So you want to get them before yeah. they, this, and actually this answers your question in a sense, this gets them the best bang for their buck. Yep. Macro cycles means over a longer term period. They're going to maximise their fitness and being fit means being injury free and yep. being able to train more for a longer period. That's And that's the science behind it. Otherwise, we would all just max out all the time. And but then yes. you know, if if we never got injured or sick, we could just max ourselves, you know, do two hundred miles a week every week as fast as we could. You know, but we're not <laughs> we're not superhuman, you know. No. So, yeah. And um yeah, and, and when we're talking about the purpose for each run, there is a purpose for easy runs, there is a purpose for rest days. That's all part of um the training that needs yeah. to be done. I love talking about periodization. So I could we could have a whole topic, a whole conversation on this, a whole podcast. It's really fascinating, Ashley and Isabel. <laughs> yeah, but um, all right. So shall we move on to the? Uh, are we done with that, or did uh, that sounded sort of like a conclusion there? But um, what are your thoughts? I, I, I think we we could, like I said, we could have kept going. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to add. I'm going to add something there. Someone who is working full time has a family. And is trying to run more than one A goal race in a year. If they don't have exact periodization right, they're going to come undone somewhere. Yeah, Very different for a pro athlete. Yeah. Um, but someone who is in that scenario where they have, you know, their career, limited recovery. Yeah, limited yeah. recovery. 
it's it's going to cause problems. So yeah. think about the one race you want to do per year, and that and take it that way. Um, yeah. That would be my number one piece of advice uh, to anyone yeah. uh, who is in that scenario, which would be, you know, ninety nine point nine nine percent of runners. Yes, and yeah. I think you're right actually. And paying attention to the the macro cycle, don't as in like. Don't go, oh, my A race is coming up in eight weeks. I better start doing some long runs. And, you know, and yeah. so then start trying to – I see it all the time. People cram in. They'll go out and they'll do these epic long runs with, with only six weeks to go, and then they, they wonder why they, they blow up at 120 kilometres in, in a 100-mile um, race and can't go another step. That, or, or they don't want to taper and they, and they want to just keep running right up so they don't lose any fitness. Yeah. And it's the same sort of scenario. Yeah, yep. exactly. Kind of a good segue into what we're, we're going to talk yes. about now. It's well done. Perfect. Seamless, <laughs> team. Way to go. <laughs> um, so the reason I um, brought up my topic was because I've spoken to a few people and about what they do after, you know, a 100-mile race or a 100K race or their A race, and often people just go straight back into running, you know, maybe one or two days off saying that they feel fine or whatever. But I'm wanting to say that so as to increase our longevity in the sport, that we should be being a little bit more mindful of what we do in recovery following a big race because um, there's a lot of damage that goes onto the body that we can actually see or can always feel yes. and that we need to think about that as well. Excellent, yeah. Um do, so, can I jump in first? Yeah, yeah I've got – no, I completely agree with you. And um, one of the things that you sort of – we I, people don't really think about is you do get a massive training stimulus out of doing a race. If yes. you come out of a race uninjured, you know, um, I, don't know you, I don't know if you've ever felt that feeling. About two or three weeks after a race, if you've got no injuries and you've yeah. – and you've about, Balance your recovery. I mean, that third, second and third week out of a race, I feel incredible. You know what I mean? Like yes. I actually have this, you get that real, the post-race fitness. Um, and I always think you want to try and really ca- um, capitalize on that by really recovering properly in that exactly. first, first few weeks. And so yep. otherwise, if you do jump in, you, then you go bang, you've got, you've got to have six weeks off because you've, um, you've torn something. And, um, so my yeah, because your body is compromised after um, such a big event. So if you're trying to do hard training, you are much more likely to get injured. Yeah. So I, I'll tell you very quickly before, and then I'll I'll hand the the microphone over to the both of you for a bit more. But basically, so my personal approach to to my own my, to myself and to people I coach is, and like the last two races, I've done two 100k races in the last few months, and this mm. has worked quite well. Um, basically, first week out of a race, I will do very little. And if I run 20 kilometers in that first week, that's a, that's a pretty big week. I'll have Wow, that'd be a lot for me. And like, and that would incorporate a fair bit of walking. And, Mm. um, so maybe I'll have, I'll have maybe three days where I don't run at all. See, to be honest, I have a full week of no exercise. Yeah. I mean, a week of nothing. And then I worry about being catabolic. 
you know, where... Oh, well, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll walk in general life because, yeah. you know, I think you should be walking around a bit in general life anyway. I'm not just sitting on the couch. But yeah. general life movement, you know. Yeah. I suppose, but yeah, so, I mean, I guess, so that part, it is up for argument, so maybe, but it isn't, I guess, I hold I certainly wouldn't back. run. The most running I do would be at the end of the week, and yeah. I would most likely do what I, I call it the reverse fartlek, where I run, I just go back to run, walk for, um, yeah. you know, run, run a few minutes. Where, and when I say run, like I'm running at, at seven minute Ks, then walk yeah, yeah. for a, a few minutes and just, yeah, be really gentle. Plus yeah, also, I mean, I suppose by the end of the first week, I'd, I'd definitely be walking. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, I'll hand it. And then basically I'll just go from there. Over the next three weeks, I will build up. Um, yeah. By no more than ten to fifteen percent mileage wise, yeah. and I won't put any intensity in until at least yes. the third or fourth week. Yeah, I totally, so, I totally agree with that. Okay, what do you think, Ash? So, uh, exactly what you have just covered, um, which kind of flicks back to what I was saying about training cycles, and that is, you get a, a massive uh, training adaptation out of racing. And that's where I love to use B races heading into the A race. Yes. Um, so you're getting a massive training adaptation out of doing everything you need to do for a race, but the race is usually significantly shorter. Um, for those people who are running short distance races, though, it may be that your coach tells you, no, you're not allowed to red line on your heart rate or go yeah. over a certain power limit. Um, so I really do like doing that because uh, racing stress is totally different to if you do that in training. Yeah, you can't replicate uh, it in training. No, you can't. The best I've seen that replicated in training is um, I've seen and have done a couple of times rung athletes who are preparing for something in particular at whatever time of day and said, you need to be race ready in 30 minutes and we're going. Ah, okay, um, that's interesting. So yeah, that um, that in itself, you've got to have enough. It, it takes a lot of work, so it's you're better off just using a race. Um, yeah, and you've got quite a few athletes. So yeah. uh, and then the 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 whole recovery thing post race. If it's the A race, as in the end of the year, I like to give a good six to eight weeks post that race, effectively yeah. off training. So there's no particular focus. You can go out and run if you want to go out and run, but there's no focus. So, mm. and there's definitely no speed work. There'll be no hills. No. Yeah. And it'll okay, be no hills. eat eat however you like, do whatever you like, and and you'll and I will also say that you know for people who have Garmin etc., a drop in VO2 at this point in time is okay. Yeah, because yeah. we're going to rebuild in the next mesocycle. So that particular mesocycle is a recovery, and I will swap out. I, I don't. I, I generally won't let or ask the athlete to take time off. I will ask them to do something else as a substitute. So, yeah. um, one of the biggest things that I find mm. in the recovery phase is if if you've been training in a group and so on. Those athletes need that social interaction because it's, you know, 75% of the population is um, uh, extroverts um, and only 25% are introverts. And basically the extroverts 
and even some of the introverts, they need to go to those events just for the social stuff. So you'll get them to come along, but you'll, you won't send them out for the extra bits that you might send them out for if they're one of your you yeah, know, athletes yeah. who do that. Um, and you may also, if everybody in your group has finished that training or you'll say, all right, well, we're going to do a couple of run sessions in the pool um, yeah. and you'll chop and change it or we're going to jump on a bike now. Or, I, l- I like uh, cycling as cross-training. I think that's always a good yeah, one too. Low, in, low impact, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, and I've done it with a group too where we've had a group of, a couple of groups of four runners and a bike and or two runners and a bike and so they'll bike a lap, run a lap, bike a lap, run a lap. Yeah. Um, that sort of thing. So just changing it up so that there is this recovery phase, but there's Mm. not the drop back in the social aspect of training. Yeah, which is good for the Um, the mental health, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that that. people don't realise in an ultra, whether even in a marathon, half marathon I haven't noticed it so much, but in, in in a marathon and beyond, people have what I would call runner's brain where after they've done this massive event, their brain doesn't actually work properly for a good six to eight weeks. Yeah. You reckon um, six to I don't eight know. weeks? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Like, the, when yeah. they've gone really hard, like... Yeah, true. And I they mean, haven't, you know... I haven't noticed it for that long, but yeah. Yeah, me neither. Once you've done quite a few, you've learnt how to eat properly, et cetera, during races. But for beginners, they're still yeah. kind of playing with stuff. And if they haven't eaten properly and stuff, they they really do have this sign of fog for a long, long period of time. Mm. Um, and you need to get over all of that before you start training again properly. So that's after your, you, you know, your, your A race in a year. For your shorter ones, it might only be as little as a few days and it might be as much as a week. Um, mm. But again, I like to keep them coming and, and the social group going. And and I, I think also something that we need to talk about in regards to having a decent recovery after an A-race is to avoid mental burnout because it takes a lot of focus yeah. to train for a hard race and, and often you have to give up other aspects of your life. And I think that time after a race is, is really good time to focus on other parts of your life and um, give balance to the rest of your life and, and avoid the mental burnout of always focusing on training, training, training. Totally yeah. agree. Totally agree. I um absolutely. The when you look at like the elite level marathon runners, so I know. I mean, I've really I followed um Kipchoge, Elliot Kipchoge's um career for a few years now since he sort of rose to being a marathon legend, and um he uh he's got a really great approach to recovery. So after his when he goes and breaks a record or wins a huge race, he'll have, mm. so the day after, he'll go for a really short, easy run. So he'll run not, um, you know, probably less than 10 kilometres. And then he will literally do nothing for two weeks. And yep. that's, you know. That sounds the, good to me. Yep. Yeah. Sounds like, yeah. So he, and he just, he's a real, that's, I mean, you look at how relaxed he is. And then another, I can cite another example. I mean, I know this is not science, but this is just, you can't, you know, these are just case, little case studies. Um, Bernard Legat, who was originally from Kenya, and then he uh, moved to America, is a phenomenal distance runner still. He's like, in his, he's approaching his mid-40s, and he's, uh, he's qualified for the Olympics so many times, over five and 10,000 mm. metres. And he does the same thing every year. 
once a year, he has like six weeks off and does nothing, you know, doesn't yep. run a step and, and goes out of his way to get unfit. Yep. You know. So. And, and I think we have a, a lot to, you know, to, to see from that because so many people in the ultra community just think they can race and race and race and never have a break. And exactly. It, it's just, it, it's not the best mm. scenario doing that. I think that's why it's really important to have other hobbies, you know, mm. you know, find things that you can occupy your mind with when you are recovering. Yes. And that might mean going kayaking or going, um, yeah, jumping on a bike even, but even you don't want to do anything that's too physical and yeah. it's really hard to slow people down. Well, and uh, sometimes it's a really good time to just catch up with all your other friends and family who aren't mm. necessarily runners and that you've kind of yeah. maybe neglected a little bit over that time. It, it's yeah. a good time to, you know, focus on those other relationships in your life and the other the aspects of your life, some reading some books or I don't know, something, you know. It doesn't have to be out there adventuring. It, it's good to be a balanced yeah. human being. Speaking of books, I've got a recommendation that really ties oh, yeah. into what we've just been talking about. Um, it's called Good to Go. Mm. Um, by whom? It's by a lady named Christy Ashwanden. And, she, mm-hmm. and it's about it's basically how to eat, sleep and rest like a champion. And basically this woman... I know how to eat like a champion. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And, and <laughs> some might say you know how to run like a champion too. So <laughs> you, you know, slouch. But... um. No, she, and so basically this woman who was like an amateur runner, but she's an author, and so she went and she wanted to try out all these different recovery strategies and see, oh, okay. and, then, and, and then look at the, um, look at the science that interesting. all of them. So she, she looked, yeah. So it what is. was it good to go? Good to go. Um, her name is Christy Ashwanden. And yeah, mm. like, so she, she not only does the thing, she, she'll do the recovery method, and some of them are crazy. Well, she goes and does cryotherapy. And, um, all, all sorts of things. Um, and then, but then she'll, she'll, before she looks at the, at the science. So she'll do the therapy yeah. and then go and look at the science afterwards. And so she can, so because she can then she's of, not getting up biased by the science. Yeah. yeah. So it's a really, it's a really clever idea for a book and it's mm. really good. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Fun to read. Yeah. But anyway, so that's, that's good. All right. Recovery. So how about we move on to your question now, Daniel? Sure. Um, my question was, uh, you're happy with that, Ashley? Moving on? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we covered some good ground again. Um, so what was my question? About mental toughness. Yeah. Basically, so I wanted, to, I was really trying to frame this question properly. So do you actively train your mental toughness? And if so, how do you do it? So my, the, my thinking behind it was this, is because just through the action, you always hear people say, oh, an ultra marathon, it's like 90%. No, it's yeah. 10%, no, 50%. 90% mental, the rest is in your head. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I've but, heard that you know, comment. The rest yeah. is in your yeah. But you never hear any real rock solid strategies, you know, like, no. um, <laughs> and other than, you know, you'll be right, you'll be right. And so, and I've read some things recently that are really uh, interesting and some of the things that I've sort of tried and, um, yeah, and like, so, do we just, is just the action of running a lot going to make us mentally tougher or is it just going to wear us down mentally or is, you know, like, do we just assume that the mental toughness just absorbs into our brain through some form of osmosis? Well, to um, a certain extent it does, as in doing the tough runs, um, 
will teach you how to deal with that sort of discomfort. Um, but, yes. you know, I mean, you ha- there is an element of that, yes. Yeah. Um, so what about you, Ash? What do you reckon so far? We'll, we'll jump around on this because I think we've all got some perspectives. So... Keeping in mind, Ash is probably one of the men- mentally yeah, exactly. people I know. So yeah. Yeah, um, your opinions I, respected. <laughs> I think I think that like coaching an athlete to be mentally tougher, it completely depends on where they've come from and what their background mm. is, because some people have come from really tough situations, and so they are mentally tough, or or, or it's gone the other way and it's broken them. And then it's a matter of retraining the athlete through talking to them rather than going out and running. Actually talking to them and, and developing strategies of saying, hey, look, that situation that happened, you're still alive. That mm. is actually an asset, not a detriment. Mm. Um, and we're going to use this this way. Um, running an ultra definitely is a mental game. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Uh, and it, it, way more than it is physical. You have to be physically fit to go out and to attempt one. Yeah. But once it gets to one o'clock in the morning and you're still running and it's raining and it's cold, cold <laughs> and you've put on every single bit of gear you've got on, and the torchlight is lighting up this tiny little area. Uh, yeah, it's definitely yeah, it's suddenly a mental game. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact is, you kind of need to go and work through those scenarios and and train that to some extent. So it could be that you need to go on a training camp like you guys um, mm. organise, where that training camp involves going out for an entire night and not sleeping. Um mm. And and it might not be that you're exercising during that night, but it's just you're not sleeping, and this is what mm. happens to your body. Um, it can be too that you need to go out on a a training run with no nutrition. Yeah, as in yeah, you've I got mean, nutrition with you for when do. it goes yeah. wrong, but yeah. you don't actually consume it until something goes mm. wrong. Yes, so as that you kind and, and of know what's it. happening there. Yeah. That's a great training technique because you've got to learn what it feels like when you're starting to basically bonk so that you can recognise it and deal with it in the race situation. Yeah. Yep, so, th- so this is for beginners. And the other way, of course, is, you know, you just slowly but surely build up through different lengths of races. We're and not you're also... We're not recommending people go out and for on a long run and, and just not eat. So, no, know, no, no, no. But like, no, no, but like no, Ash no. said, have yes. food with you. Absolutely. Um, but yeah. you just try not to touch it until eat the whole time. Yeah, yeah. and it's and have the understanding that it's it's not going to go right today. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And that you're once again with the purpose in mind of I'm going to find out what such and such feels like, and this is so this is what I'm training today to see what that feels like. So it's actually with the purpose in mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, what were you going to say, Isabel? Before that, you said you know, well. I mean, speaking as a female. Um, who's had children, I can say that having had children and experiencing the pain of childbirth um, yeah. has helped me to sort of be able to recognise that it's actually the running pain is not that bad because comparatively. So you actively remember that? Because, I mean, there's no argument. Oh, 
Yeah. Yeah. Like you, when you're in a race, <laughs> you, you sit there and go. Sometimes, yeah, it can be something you think about, but it's also just there in the back of your mind. And I think many women will agree once they've had children that, and they've experienced that kind of pain that um, the pain of racing is, is no way near as bad. Yeah. That's, and that's I one of the other things that I've, I've had to teach a lot is what's as different pains and when to, when a pain is one that you need to pull out of and when another pain is the type you need to actually push through. Yes, well, um, there's that and too that, as well. That, that but, one is definitely something that needs to be covered. But are, are we talking about pain thresholds there or um, mental toughness? So, Or are you saying yeah, well, it's also mental toughness to pull out as well? I'm saying well, it's definitely mental toughness to pull mm, out yeah. when your entire – like you, you, get, you people who take on ultras – they're kind of the type of personality where they're very much goal driven. As this is a general, they're very much mm. goal driven, and they won't stop necessarily. So they'll go way beyond, um, mm. you know, where they should have probably pulled up because the broken ankle they've been running on for the last ten kilometres ain't really good for them. Um, <laughs> surprisingly, so yeah, surprisingly. So yeah, just that understanding. Um, you know, where that... that oh, look, I, I totally agree. I think it requires an element of mental... Tu- a, a big element of mental toughness to pull out, to know the difference and to pull out, yeah. with, to do the right thing by your body. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, if you die, you don't want to... You know, that's not the day you want to die on. You know? No. Like, no. You, you know, it's not... Is it really... Is it worth dying for? And okay. And sometimes... You know, like it's sad because people do die, and you know, in races, yeah. and we don't want that. And it is government remind yourself, especially if you've got loved ones, and you want, you know, we're not. This is not going to war. It is just a sport, an enjoyable yeah. sport that we love to see what we're capable of. And this, I feel like, it lies at the heart of ultra running. You know, the mental toughness, because yeah. one of the things I say to my runners is a lot is you're going to spend most of your time in an ultra you're going to spend most of that time actually physically feeling like shit, you know, like, you know, you, <laughs> oh, have, we love so you, it. you do you, like, you might get the first third of the race feeling mm. great. And then the rest of it, you really, you're not going to, if you're really realistic, you're not actually feeling good, but we, and then, and then I think we go into this, um, this period of, of uh, more or less lying to ourselves or trying to convince ourselves otherwise. Um, but, I mean, obviously, through conditioning, we can extend that from a third of the race to maybe to maybe half of the race and not feel. But um, one of the things I my approach in a race is I, I would call myself aggressively optimistic in a race. So I I approach. I've never heard it, those words put together before. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. So I no, I do. I get in there and I'm like, I I'm the guy that's fully. I'm really pumped. I, I try and rem- and I, I know that's it, and it's. It's not always the best strategy. Like, I just try and say, I'm like, yeah, I'm in this. Come on. I'm high five. I'm Mr. High Five everywhere you, you know, because I know oh that. Oh, God, you're that guy. I am a little bit. Not, not all the time. <laughs> but I, um, it helps me. It's a, it's a bit of a selfish thing, you know, like, yeah. because I know that if I'm high, throwing high fives out to people, I, um, I'm getting sort of a bit of love back. But, yeah. um, recently I've been sort of, changing my strategy and I'm really doing this on my training runs is trying to take a more um, and and this is something I've read about and some people have their things about mindfulness but a more mindful approach and looking at the way I'm feeling in a race without emotion so just going okay okay I just I just twisted my ankle okay mm. rather than go oh okay. shit 
oh, damn, my race is over. I now go, okay, let's let's think about, let's analyse it. Like, I know I'm obviously not going to be that calm, but try not no, to No, 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 but I agree, yep. Yeah, be an, yep. more analytical about what's happened before you yep. make, a, make a judgment because as soon as you start making a judgment, you know, you might just need to walk for a hundred meters before you and shake it off, you know, like. And, and, yeah, uh, instead of having the um, catastrophic thoughts of yeah, this is race ending. And you spiral out. Of, you're on a spiral yeah. out of control, which I'm sure we've all done at some stage in a race, you know, like yeah. spiral into a negative place and just like even though and I mean I've quit races where there was no physically there was there was oh, really me too. no yeah. good reason like I could have kept going, yeah. but just mentally I couldn't, you know, like and yeah. Then, yeah, and so. And but I also think, um, and maybe you agree that doing those DNFs and and you look back and you think there was no reason why I should have, they yeah. make you mentally tougher for the next race because you're like, I'm not doing that again. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so true. You get you yeah. do you got to and like whether we're trying to prove something to ourselves or to everyone else or. Just, um, but yeah, and get that monkey off your back, so to speak. Monkey yeah, just, off the back, yeah. Yeah, talking about that. And uh, so, now it's really interesting. Ashley? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, look, I agree with everything that you've covered there. The, the other thing that I like to do um, is to have, you know, the A goal for the race, the B goal for the race, the C goal for the race, C the B goal I'm for the race. I'm not so sure about that because then that gives me options. And, and when the A goal gets broken because of something mm. outside of my control, mm. I move to the B goal. Yeah. And when that gets but broken because of something outside of my control. Down. Yeah. I, I yeah, see, so it has to be outside of my control for that to occur. Yeah. Yeah. What because about, otherwise, yeah. I, just, I just worry that, oh, oh, well, I'll just go for my B goal. And so then I just don't even try for my A goal. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm not mad keen on B, C and D goals, that's all. That's fair enough. Interesting. So when you a- attempt a race like, um, so are you basically pre- prepared to live by the sword, die by the sword? Like you're all, sort of an all or nothing person when it comes to the races? Um, because- to a certain, well, not, a, not always, but um, I don't like to plan out my B and C goals. If things go absolutely pear-shaped during the race, I'll think about it analytically, like we talked about, not emotionally, about the race. And then what can I do? How can I salvage this situation? And what? And I'll create my new goal then. But I don't like to have it in advance where it's kind of like, oh, that's my fallback. Um, I'd prefer to go in it with just my A goal. And like I said, if things turn pear-shaped, then I can – I've got plenty of time to think. I can think about it then. Yeah. I I don't know. That look, at the end of the day – at the end of the day, that is the beauty of an ultra over a 5K race, and that is yeah. there's time to make mistakes. Exactly. There's lots yeah. of time. To fix, and there's time to fix mistakes. Yeah. Whereas a 5K race, you make yeah. a mistake, yeah. there's no time to fix it, you're done. Yeah, that's right. There's yeah. so much. Yeah, it's, ultras are so much about overcoming. It's just overcoming yeah. things, you know, like, because it is, it's, it's just a, a, a race like that's you know especially if you're running all day all night and then probably all day again and then maybe even all night again you know that is a logistical task beyond anything and so you're really just managing managing yourself you know and and if you look at it as a mat from a sort of being a self manager you know you're not yes that's right you know, 
you just got to manage mm. manage your emotions, manage manage your nutrition, manage your temperature, you know, like mm. everything. So like you're running, so you've got this big race coming up soon, Isabel. This is probably really yeah. right up your, <laughs> like, you know, right up where you need to be. Th- obviously, you already are because you do ridiculous. Oh yeah, ridiculous runs. Yeah. Do you find your long training runs are really, I mean... Well, the other day I did a, a really long training run. I went three times up Mount Donna, and the third time it just sucked big time. And yeah. I just I sort of just was talking to myself in my head, sort of, well, you know, this is how it could potentially feel, most likely, at some point in the race, and I can't just sit down and have a sook or or yeah. polite or stop. So I've just got to keep going. I knew fundamentally everything was okay. I wasn't injured. I wasn't sick. I was fine. I was just having a weak moment. So I just pushed through. And yeah. um, that, once again, that trains that mental toughness where I'm aware of what's happening, but I'm analytically looking at it going, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm actually fine. I'm just having a tough moment. I'm yep. not going to give in to that tough moment. I'm going to keep going because it was so yeah. easy for me to go, I'll just go back to the car. It's but, good to get to that place. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that's right. And that's what I said to me. This is really good training. Like, this is great mm. training. It's where the so, magic happens. Yeah, mm. yeah exactly. Uh, yeah, no. And I tell you, you, um, yeah, you're going to have plenty of those moments. And, I know. And like, <laughs> I mean, in a race like, like, um, the Barclay, you, you know what I said before, how, you know, you're, Physically, how long do you expect to be feeling good in that race? Or do you expect it to, <laughs> Not to be very long. An, ebb, an ebb and flow? You know, hopefully it's a bit of an up and down, you know, emotion. It, it is going to be a roller coaster. It's such yeah. an emotional sport. Yet yes, we have it to is. Try and keep emotions out of it. <laughs> and, and I think it, uh, I've heard the saying, or I don't know, I'm, I'm wrecking the saying, but, you know, when you have a, a bad moment, remember, this, this isn't going to last. Just like when you have a good moment, remember, this isn't mm. going to last. Yeah. They all pass. Yeah. Is that your mantra? That's, you, that's so true. Yeah. You guys Something, have yeah, it is. Because yeah. sometimes when you're in that good moment feeling really awesome, you're like, you can conquer the world. And that's when you can stuff up your race by, you know, d- being too fast. Too, yeah. And so that's why it's good to remind yourself that this isn't necessarily going to last. Let's, let's meter it out a little bit more slowly so that it would last a bit longer, perhaps. Yeah. Mm. That's so good. What, do you have a mantra, Ashley? Well, look, I have it written on the side of my watch, so. Oh, um, you must have a big watch. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's small writing, but, okay. um, I've got, I've got, or, um, basically, I'll just read the last two lines, which are relevant to what we've just been talking about, and that is pain is temporary and results are eternal. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Although in saying that, I can't remember half my results. <laughs> what do what do you remember then? What 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 do you remember? This is the, like what what keeps bringing you back? If it's not the results, it's something. I don't know what it is, but for me, even the results, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. To know, mm. not uh, not giving in. During my very first hundred k that I did years ago, I was running with this woman who's who was very experienced and we were to, like we just happened to be running together in the last sort of 20 kilometers and we were and I was just like I just said to her I said I just want this to be over I hate this for the work I'm never running again you know <laughs> I, all those I just was typical yeah, I've was, heard that like, before all yeah. this negativity was just pouring out of me and and you know and so and she said 
she's found, she found, and I've learnt this is true, that the more that you run these ultras, after a while, this place that you're in right now, Daniel, this is what people are looking for. You know, this yeah. is, yeah, yeah, people are, are wanting to get to this low, low point. Because really, yeah. you think they actually want to? I don't know. Yes, I, I, gen- I, I, I'm a total agreeance here that really? that is what you're looking for. Yeah, that's the. Hunt. Do you think? No, I'm yes. looking to avoid that. You come I'm out the other to avoid side. It. Yeah. Got to face it. Got to face <laughs> it. I suppose you know. You got to stare it in the eye. And, yeah. Uh, and yeah, but I don't know. I think it's really interesting, and like it's get it's very philosophical. But mm. there is a reason why we do all this. Like, because none of us. You know, I'm not. I'm never going to win the Western States. I'm never going to break a world record. Mm. But I mean, I'm going to. I might get a bit faster for myself. I might complete greater distances than I've ever done. But you know, even that's not really on paper. That's not amazing. I'll, I'll be a footnote in a on a website. You know, like so on on like a race results page. So it, it's nothing, but so there's something, but I something deeply satisfying about it, and it's something that drives me to keep going. You know, and mm. if anyone is listening, if you got the answer, it's like the, what is the meaning of life almost, you know? <laughs> you know, I think yeah, the answer is different for everybody. Yeah. It's, um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, like a lot of people you'll see that they do uh, their races for medals, etc. cetera. Um, mm. I, I don't keep any of my medals or my no, race No, neither do I. Yeah. Oh, really? I, I, get, I get rid of them all. So, yeah. yeah, it's it's because yeah. I'm I'm after the next one. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, look, I've got a. I've, I think I've got last year sitting. I've got some of last year sitting in the cupboard, um, just because I haven't got rid of them yet. I think I've got two. Yeah. Um, I and I did a lot more special. Yeah. Interesting. Do you, if you so, finished... so, Sorry, Daniel, go. just you were saying, you know, if people had um, the answer, do you think maybe um, <clears throat> if people have some thoughts about the, the different questions that we've posed today, if they wanted to make some comments in the um, Facebook page, that, that might yeah. be a good idea. Yeah, maybe we I think could, that would um, be excellent. How about we both, we, all three of us will get on there and we'll write our own questions down and, yeah. um, and as in like as a post and people yes. can comment yeah. below them and then throw, we can, and each one can become a thread on its own and we can then maybe. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. Deconst- we can revisit these topics briefly at the start of our next coaches roundtable. Sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Where we'll be answering your questions. Yes. Mm. On the Coaches Roundtable. Now, how does somebody join the Coaches Roundtable if they're listening to our respective podcasts? Oh, yes. It's a very secret process, and um, they need to send in a letter of application. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? Just like Barclay. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's where send us a license plate. At the moment, they can only do it if they're friends with one of us, can't they? Is that right? Well, I think we have to invite them. Yeah, I think oh, so suddenly we're going to have lots just, of friends. Yeah, I, I have been getting lots that of, way on Facebook. I've been getting so lots of invites from people I don't know. So there, oh, yeah, but so there's got to be um, a way that people can surely they can just ask to join the page. That's how it normally is with a page, isn't it? As in, as I think I'm the administrator, or we're all administrators. I think you're going to have to change the. Yeah, I'll have yes. to go in and change some of the settings. Never fear, yeah. people. By the time you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> no, we'll sort Daniel will have Facebook worked out. Yeah, yeah. so um, <laughs> if you're hearing this and you can't get on, you can send me in a address your abusive emails to Ashley Drew <laughs> at gmail.com. 
No, no, don't do that. That's a, it's a good thing that's not my email address. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's got a you. <laughs> no, I think we've covered some really good ground. Yeah, and, um, so, and um, like Ashley touched on, uh, we would like it if the, we will put a post out before the next um, roundtable and get people to pose their own questions. Yeah. yeah. And, that um, they would like covered. Obviously, not just a yes or no question. Mate, yeah, let's, go, yeah. let's, let's go deep. You know? Some deep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, it is yeah, we want deep. an open ended question, not a closed one. That's yes. right. And yeah. um, I think there's a lot of. Um, or a topic that you want covered, of course. Yeah. 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 Awesome. And we may not be able to get to all of them, of course, but um, we will do our best. We, how about we yeah, make we... it a, po- a bit of a popularity contest? We'll just, uh, <laughs> the or... ones we like the best. No, yeah, I was just... about to say, we'll pick the ones we like the best out of that. <laughs> yeah, there you go. No, and it's the fun. ones we find easiest to answer. Yep. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> But it could be about basically about anything to do with with running, and you know whether we're trying to approach. We, today we've looked at the at the body, at the mind, and we've also looked at like the big picture of training. So mm, yeah, I, so yeah, we're not we'll have a crack at anything. And as I said, some things are going to be our opinion, and some things will have a bit of fact involved. But you know, feel free if you have a good article as well. That's the other thing. Yeah, that's a, a good that's article. always a good discussion point. Post, yeah, post an article that might be, um, and can I, I just, one thing that I don't want to talk about is, yeah. and I'm going to swear, it's running shoes. Can we just, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, well, I didn't, didn't Ashley have a, a that was no, last not, one, Ash. Not in that regard. Yeah, but that was about drawing <laughs> shoes. It wasn't about the type of shoe. Yeah. Oh, no, no, yeah, no, no, nothing yeah. about types of I'm shoes. done. You know, Nike, Vapor, yeah. Alpha, Mega Fly. Eyes, pretty fly. Oh, I don't want to. Nah, don't want to. Yeah, I don't care anymore. I just don't care anymore. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. but we go more. Let's hear about your coaching questions and your your mindset questions and so on and and get yep. physical. All right, I think that's enough. Cool. <laughs> Sounds done? good to me. Yep, yeah. I think so. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Over and out. Don't forget to join the Coaching Roundtable group on Facebook. I've put the link in the show notes. Do you need coaching to give your training some direction and focus? Go to my website, peakendurancecoaching.com.au and get started on a personalised training plan that will help you reach your goals. If you have any suggestions of who you think I should interview for this podcast, please let me know and I'll see what I can do. I'm always interested to hear what you as a listener would like to hear. Also, as I always rabbit on about, please don't forget to go get on over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the show and rate and review it. It really helps. This will grow the podcast and ensure I can get top level interviewees on the show. Thank you so much for your support. I do truly and really appreciate it. Have a great week of training.